It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. All right, here we are, live and local, in the studio with Sam Bellino, where hey, I was. Hey. Was it yesterday morning I was there? Yeah, yesterday, yeah, yesterday morning. you did a marathon wow, day. I know. And, that, you know, I'm supposed to do it tomorrow morning, and I, I, I said no because I got a lot going on, kid. You do have a primary job in I, uh, addition to this. And, and I, got the, the, I got Arthur and Ariana and I, Luca. I had to drive early to school this morning, which I, you know, I love. And then tomorrow night I'm getting an award at the Italian Consulate. From a uh, the Italian American Teachers Organization. Um, before I uh, forget, I just want to say, um, express my condolences to uh, the family of Ralph Bensavenga. I just came from Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, at the McLaughlin Funeral Parlor. Um, Ralph Bensavenga is the father of Jennifer Bensavenga Manella, who was my intern at the Brooklyn District Attorney's Office, I want to say in 1995 or 1996. And she uh, she remained a, a lifelong friend. She's friends with my wife, uh, Marianne. And um, Ralph was a great man, and he passed away. And we're going to miss you, Ralph. Um, but he lived a full, beautiful life. I'm looking at a story now uh, of these two kids. Sam Molino, I don't know if you heard about it. You know, you just showed me this beautiful picture of your daughter baking. And two 14-year-old boys in Nassau County were in the back of a car. And a 17-year-old and a, I think a 16-year-old were driving. They actually weren't doing anything wrong. And a drunken driver going the wrong way down the highway. Yeah, I heard about this. Oh, yeah, my terrible. God. And the two 14-year-olds And then another dead. accident happened like hours later at, yeah. at that same intersection. It's, But, I mean, the devastation to those families is... It's incalculable. I mean, you just, everything's great. The kids are doing great. The kids are doing great in school. I think they were tennis stars, these 14-year-olds, and that's why they were together, and now they're gone. And it's, God God bless them, God rest their soul. And now you're going to have another family that's obviously ruined because they they did arrest the guy who was driving this truck drunk on the, I mean, going the wrong way, man, uh, down the highway. And this is where experience matters. I'd like, at least I'd like to think about it. Think about it. You and I, Matt, we've been driving a long time yes. now. So maybe you see those lights coming and you're, you know, you're swift enough to just say, let me get the heck out. You know, right. Let me go all the way on the side of the road. Let me get off the road. I mean, we don't know what happened. I'm not, clearly not blaming anybody. But there is – I do make some moves now with the car that I know I couldn't make at 17 or 18 or 19 years old. I mean, you have to. Just like anything it's, else. You just know you have the experience – to know how to drive, uh, it's it is terrifying. So our, our hearts go out to them as well, um, to that family of, of those fourteen year old boys, and and the, I think the other two men, young boys, like they're men, they're boys who are in the car. I think they're okay. They said they were hospitalized in stable condition, but it's heartbreaking. And um, look, what's all over the news is uh, the case of Jordan Neely. He was. Uh, the man who um, was uh, strangled on the uh, choked on the subway. We're going to have uh, Councilman Justin Brannon on uh, just right after this segment. Uh, he wants to talk about parking tickets to be uh, basically the the amount the fine is commensurate with your income. I don't think that's such a bad idea. Um, you know, if uh, if you're an MTA worker who drives a train and you screw up, you don't, you know, put the ticket in the window and, you know, you get hit with a, whatever it is, a $65 fine, you know, that could be whatever, 1% of your income. Whereas if you're making $650,000 a year, it could be 0.00001% of your income. So I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent against having tickets commensurate with your with your income level, if it's within reason, I don't know what the uh, what 
the details of the plan are. Let's see if Councilman Brandon has them figured out yet. Um, but this case in on the subway, I got to give Eric Adams a tremendous amount of credit. Um, and I know you guys are tired of hearing me say that, but I'm, I don't care. I'm saying it. <laughs> he um, he basically said, "Let's just let cooler heads prevail." In other words, let's let the, the the NYPD do their investigation. Let them speak to all the witnesses. Let them get their witnesses. Uh, statements memorialized, whether on a live videotape or an audio tape, um, then let a, an experienced prosecutor in Alvin Bragg's Manhattan District Attorney's Office take a look at it, and then let them make a decision. Um, what can be done is they could take all of these witnesses. In other words, if, if Bragg doesn't want to make the decision, what he could do is say, I'm going to put all of these witnesses into the grand jury. And give um, the individual who was the target of the grand jury the opportunity to testify in there. Now, I found out today that um, a friend of mine who's a great lawyer and and ironically ran for Manhattan District Attorney as a Republican against Alvin Bragg will be representing this Marine. And, um, you know, right now there's nothing to represent him on because he hasn't been charged with anything. But if you put everything in front of a grand jury... Uh, which are just people who get called for jury duty, but instead of going to a trial, they sit in a in a big room, and the only one who presents evidence is a prosecutor. A defense attorney can ask, uh, write a letter to the grand jurors and ask them if they want to hear from certain witnesses, but even then, the, the defense attorney can't ask questions or can't, uh, well, actually, if it's a witness, the defense attorney's not even there. Um, and if your client testifies, you're there and you can't even really object. You could just maybe tell your client, step outside, I want to talk to you. It's a very frustrating process. It's a very one-sided process. It's supposed to be because it basically is, is there enough evidence here that something may have happened that we should charge him with a crime and then allow a regular jury, a pettit jury, to figure out if that crime can be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. But they can put all of the, the evidence in and determine... Uh, what charges should be voted out, if any. The thing that prosecutors should not do is vote out something like murder, intentional murder in the second degree. I don't think anyone thinks that this was like this guy said, oh, let me kill this guy. Um, What would it be appropriate charges here to present to the grand jury? Murder in the second degree, which is a, a reckless act. Uh, criminally negligent homicide, which is you knew or should have known by choking someone like that is going to cause their death. But, you know, the flip side is there's this good Samaritan. What We have to hear what the witnesses have to say. How threatening was Jordan Neely? And we have to look at the system. And, you know, this, Jordan Neely was at 40-some-odd arrests. And now you have these new rules where, you know what's, you know what's horrible? You know what AOC is not talking about? Brand is not, the control is not talking about? I bet you if a judge was allowed to set bail on some of these cases that he had, he would be in Rikers Island and not on the train that day and he'd be alive. How about the irony of that? Jordan Neely, with his 42, 44 arrests, would probably be in Rikers Island before bail report reform and be alive. Well, Unlike AOC, the congresswoman, unlike other politicians, the New York City Comptroller, all Mayor Adams said was, let's just let NYPD and DANY, District Attorney in New York, do their job before we rush to judgment. So it is going to be interesting. It's going to be a case we're talking about. You know, a lot of people have been killed on the subway lately, but you know what's the big difference? This one's all on video. It's on video. There's a racial component to it. There's a homeless component to it. There's a mental illness component to it. So this is going to be one of these cases that gets traction. Um, I'm going to come back with Justin Brannon. Then I actually have to leave to go to the federal bar council dinner tonight, which is all the federal judges and a bunch of prosecutors and defense attorneys and sit around. We're honoring someone. I believe the uh, I just had to take a covid test. The United States Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor is going to be there. And she insisted everyone has a clean COVID result to walk in. So I just did that, Sam Bellino. Thank you. It's been a while since I swabbed my nose. <laughs> looks, like I'm in, looks like I'm in good shape. Did you pass? I passed. I got a negative. 
Um, so don't go anywhere. We're going to come back with Justin Brandon uh, in in a minute. And then uh, Joni's got a great guest at the end of the show for you as well. All right. It's Thursday night, New York City. We'll be right back. Now my bed sheets smell like you Every day discovering something brand new well, I'm in love with your body For over a century, local broadcasting has evolved with the needs of the community. We move past the stigmas of opinion journalism and bring the most relevant news online, on air, and on the go. You have trusted us with your news, sports, weather, and entertainment. Trust us to keep moving with you. Text RADIO to 52886 and tell Congress local broadcasting is here to stay. In an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust, at a time where it's difficult to find facts, not just opinion, there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning, starting at 8 on AM 970. The answer. Let's talk about Connors and Sullivan. We all know that planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Correct. On my birthday, on your birthday, the soon as possible, that's the way to go. You may need a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a health care proxy, a living will, an estate plan. The goal of Connors & Sullivan Attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. So visit them for a free, no-obligation consultation. Call Connors & Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connor says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. Rock and Roll Councilman's era. You know, he was just uh, probably in, I don't know, fifth grade in PS185 or something like that when uh, I was bouncing around uh, college listening to these songs. What's up? We have the Rock and Roll Councilman, my councilman, Justin Brennan. What's up, Justin? I like it, but I always like a little aha. What's going on, my man? How's uh, how's life in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn? Good, good. Everything is good. All is well. All is well. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I was I was actually just there. I was uh, paying my respects at uh, McLaughlin's funeral home, and now I'm uh, yeah, at okay. the studio here at One 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 Broadway down in Wall Street. Um, Justin, before I, uh, I I I kick in and talk about parking tickets, which I think is something that you know those of us who live in Bay Ridge, which unlike other parts of the city, is a little bit more of a maybe a car centric environment. Um, are we allowed to um, talk about the uh, the homicide on the F train? Since that's something that I use all the time, going from you know I take the R train to 36, and then I jump on either the B, the D, and I'm often jumping around the F train. And this is a incident that took place, you know, not at like four o'clock in the morning, but sometime when I would be riding the subway coming back to our neighborhood. Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but it is kind of the lead story everywhere. And uh, you're not uh, shy talking about crime in the city. So I'm wondering what Councilman Justin Brannon's uh, kind of unofficial thoughts. I know it's early on in the uh, in the investigation, but, but what your thoughts are about that case? I mean, I think it's just an absolute tragedy. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that, that Jordan Neely needed to die. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I hope that this, if anything that comes out of this tragedy is that it forces a, real sober conversation about unchecked uh, mental illness and, and how, you know, the average person might just want it to go away. It might just want to, you know, you know, sniff it out, but that's not how we deal with this. And, and 
um, you know, it, it's really, really tragic because, and it's just a whole lot to really process and absorb. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm with you uh, in terms of uh, interviews with his father says um, he was autistic. Um, he um, obviously was troubled. His, his mom killed herself or, or was killed, I think. Uh, he's been really suffering. You know, at the same time, he had 40-some-odd contacts with the criminal justice system. So th- this is one of those cases where, you know, you have a human being who clearly needs help. And, um, you know, what all these, these billions of dollars, right? I know you're a city guy, not a state guy, but they just passed the state budget with billions of dollars. But you are the finance chair, so you know how much money is involved in the city. And... Um, with all of these programs, all these agencies, you know, you have someone here who basically slipped through the cracks. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, um, and and one could argue that well, you know, if if he had been you know involved with the the criminal justice system forty something times, those were forty something chances that this you know we had to to try to help him out. Um, and and you know, someone said that you know when someone calls nine one one. It's it's really because the entire system has failed them up to that point. Everything else has failed them, and now all they have left is to call nine one one. And I think, but I also think that this speaks to, you know, the perception of, of you know if someone is going through a mental health crisis that, you know, someone felt the need to, um, yeah. I look, it's it, it's it's just a lot. I think this. I think there's got to be accountability for his killing, and I think there's got to be a thorough investigation of what happened here. Um, you know, I you know, unless uh, unless some video comes out that this guy was threatening people on the subway, even then you can you know, if you want to you know be a hero and restrain the guy. But what happened here? What we're seeing here was a murder. Um, and, and I don't see how this is justified in, in, in justified violence in any way. Well, we're going to have to have the, you know, the DA's office and the NYPD will do their investigation. Look, I have no problem telling you, as someone, you know, and Justin, you know me and you know me well, like people are surprised that I, I ride the subway all the time. I mean, I was on like five different lines today, bouncing around. Oh, you don't take Uber. You don't take Lyft. You don't, you know, you don't use Harbor car service. I mean, sometimes I do when it, when it's necessary. <laughs> But I, I got no problem telling you. Sometimes it gets a little scary, and I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of of public transportation. But sometimes someone comes on, and they're, you know, they don't need to have a gun or a knife to scare the living daylights out of you. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm in good shape. But you know, this it, uh, the person here was at 30 years old. I'm pushing 60. You know, it's it, it gets a little scary. My I guess my long winded point is these there are not easy answers here. Uh, about what to do and uh, but hopefully this raises a lot more at the very very least the minimum is it should raise awareness that we we all need to do a better job in um, addressing people who are mentally ill and in addressing uh, you know the safety of of people who we need on those trains because if you lose mass transit we lose the city no, yeah. Look, I mean, I'm a big believer in, in if someone tells you they're experiencing something, you have to take them seriously. It's not your job to discount their reality. Um, and people need to feel safe, and, and that that means different things to different people. Um, but I think what you have here is is uh, a man who needed help, right, and and was was crying out for help in in, in some way, and, and whether it was those forty different interactions he had with the justice system, or this is just not how it was supposed to end for him. Um, but but it also speaks to clearly the fear that some people have on the subway, you know. And um, you know, uh, again, I, I just think there needs to be an investigation and some accountability. No, I, and just so we can end it there. I mean, I think what you just yeah. said, I I think I agree with you. Know, this is not the way this guy's life should should have ended um and whether whether that rises to a criminal case or a civil case you know look (laughs) this is why alvin bragg gets paid the big money these are not easy decisions for a prosecutor to make and and uh i'll talk about another time during the show but you got a lot of a a lot more going on here regarding your uh, involvement with the city 
Um, again, <laughs> I'm going to throw you another, not a curveball. This should be easy. Before we talk about parking tickets, anything you can give us a little inside scoop on regarding uh, the city council and the budget? You're the chair of the finance committee. You have a lot of power. Sure. You have a lot of influence about where money goes and where it doesn't go. What do you have to tell the listeners here in New York City on a uh, Thursday night? Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, Monday we start, we officially start executive budget hearings on Monday. You know, look, I think this is really a critical moment for our city. I think our future and, and the the continued economic recovery of the city hinges on what we do in this next budget. Um, we believe that sound uh, fiscal stewardship means focusing budget priorities where they matter, where they matter most. And for me, I always believe that, that, that taxpayers measure the return on their investment through the, the efficient delivery of government services, and, and rightfully so. And, and something I say quite often is that a budget is not just an itemized list of expenditures. It's a moral document, right? If I want to know what someone cares about, then I want to know what they spend their money on. And the city budget really is no different. And we're in a tough time right now where there's been a lot of cuts made and, and we're, we're on our third peg, our third program to eliminate the gap. There's been three of them so far. You've got 20,000 open jobs in the city of New York, and, and which, which is good because it means there's a lot of jobs open. We need to attract the right talent. It's bad because many of these agencies that people rely on have been hobbled by these vacancies, and, and we're hearing from our constituents that there's real-life impact to the vacancies that have been created here, where people are – it's taking longer to do – you know, to del- get these basic services delivered. So that's something that we're definitely going to be looking into. Um, but look, we've never doubted the durability of our city's economy but but resilience doesn't happen on its own, right? It, you have good, to that's, another, that's a good another good line. Resilience doesn't happen on its own. Justin, I would love to have you. I got three minutes left. I want to talk about the parking okay. stuff. <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> Look, bro, I could yeah, I could do a whole show with you. I mean, you're so knowledgeable. You've been in the city for a long time. You know, you know, but not only as the councilman, but as the chief of staff. So talk to me about parking tickets. Sure. So here's the thing. So here's the idea. Somewhere along the way, we I say during Mayor Bloomberg. Fines became a, just another way to raise revenue rather than what they're meant to do, which is deter or, or change bad behavior, right? And it's only gotten worse. People just feel like they're just getting fined because the city is broke and needs to raise money. The middle class, the working class, everyone feels squeezed right now. The fine amounts as they are are arbitrary. So what I'm saying is $115 to a public school teacher, that's, that's going to that's gonna make some pain in their wallet, Right. $115 to a millionaire, well, that's not going to inflict the same pain. So what I'm trying to say here is that what if we consider that if we if the fine is about making the offender feel pain in their wallet, so they'll think twice before doing it again, well, then that pain needs to be equalized in some way. And what I'm suggesting is that if you attach the fine structure to someone's income, um, it'll be more fair because it's calculated according to their income. And this system has proven to be successful in, in other countries for a hundred years. It's not my idea. I stole the idea from a different country where they're doing this and it works and it's delivered some fairness to middle-class and the working class. And it makes the, the super wealthy pay their fair share. I'm not, I'm not so, how, so, so just Justin, how does it work logistically? So, you know, the school so, teacher, the school teacher, they, they hit her registration sticker and she gets a ticket for $55. But how do they know she's a school teacher and she shouldn't get the $115 ticket? Well, so that's part of so the part of the pilot would have to figure that out. But basically all the fines right now are processed through the Department of Finance, the same Department of Finance that you pay your taxes to. So they know. Like they know your income if they need to. They need to pull it up, they can. Okay. I got you. So they already have the information and basically right, okay. exactly. You know, you know what I love that Bloomberg did, especially in our neighborhood. And I try to pass it forward, but because there's no more like fixed meters, like you used to throw yeah. a quarter in the meter, run and grab your oh, shirts sure. and come out, <laughs> and then you can pull it, and then the guy behind you could pull in, and he didn't have to put yep. the quarter in the meter. 
So if yeah. I do that, though, I try to give the little piece of paper. I'm like, hey, you want my little ticket? But, <laughs> they think you're a little ticket. But everything's a, No, they don't. Oh, they're like, oh, really? Thank you. That's so nice of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, one last question. I got a minute left. and yeah. I, I, cause yeah. Here I am. I'm in downtown Manhattan, and all the big news down here is that Century 21 is reopening. Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. a little BS secondhand store compared to the original <laughs> one that, that you run in, in Bay Ridge on 86th Street. Any news about what's going on? I mean, they they occupy basically the whole block. Where where are we at with that? We're ve- we're closer than ever. I feel like I've been telling people to stay tuned for two years, but we're ve- we're closer than we've ever been to actually unveiling what the plan is there. And I think people are going to be very very happy and very excited about All it. All right, so hopefully very soon. Yeah, that's great. You're talking to City Councilman Justin Brandon. He is up for re-election this year. He's going to walk in backwards with his eyes closed. <laughs> But that doesn't mean you shouldn't go to his big fundraisers that I'm sure he's going to have all over town. He's a good guy. He's a rock and roll guy. He's a tattoo guy. But most importantly, he's a, as from what I understand, word around the campfire, he's a great husband to a beautiful woman. So <laughs> keep it up, Justin. Thanks for uh, keeping Bay Ridge pretty, keeping Bay Ridge safe. Uh, you know, my whole family's there when I'm in Manhattan and people go, um, oh, Arthur, where do you live? I say 86th Street. They go, Upper West or Upper East? I go, Colonial. <laughs> I go, Colonial and Narrows. And they look at me like I'm a nut job. All right, buddy boy. It. Thank you, Arthur. Keep up Thank the great guys. work, man. We'll see you soon. Right, take Thanks, care. Bye. All right. We're going to, uh, I got to go run and do something. Joni's going to step in and take care of me. Take care of you guys. Don't go anywhere. Joni, Joni will be right back with a great guest. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, it's Legal Night on Radio Night Live, and that means Imran Ansari and myself will be with you to break down the biggest legal stories of the day. Don't miss it. Tonight at 7. This is Greg Floyd, president of Teamsters Local 237. Join me for Reaching Out. We'll talk about the issues that matter the most to working families, union members, and everyone who cares about the future. On the next Reaching Out, Greg gets an update from DJ Tony Touch on his and other DJ's efforts in keeping people connected during COVID and what's next. It's Reaching Out with Gregory Floyd. Saturday afternoon at 2.30 on AM 970, The Answer. Dennis Prager here. Visit the Holy Land with me and inspiration cruises and tours. No other trip will be like it. The Stand with Israel tour. Call 855-565-5519 or visit standwithisraeltour.com. I have been talking about the court reporting program at Plaza College because court reporters are such an essential part of the legal field. Plaza College has been around since 1916, and not only do they have the School of Court Reporting, but they have four other schools of study, including their new School of Nursing. The Accelerated Bachelor of Science in Nursing program can be completed in just 16 months. Students complete their curriculum in the new Center for Healthcare Simulation on Plaza's campus and within the best hospital systems in New York City. Plaza also has a dental hygiene program with a 20-chair community clinic. Students work on live patients under the supervision of a dentist. It is incredible. If you want additional information regarding the programs I mentioned or Plaza's other areas of study, like their School of Business and Paralegal Studies or the School of Allied Health, just visit their website at plazacollege.edu. That's plaza, P-L-A-Z-A, college.edu. My name is Imran Ansari, and I lead the Civil Litigation Division of Idala, Bertuda, and Kamins, the preeminent New York litigation law firm. The tires screech, the impact is felt. Boom, you've just been in a car accident. It's a scary situation that none of us want to experience. But if you have been injured in a car accident, then you may be entitled to significant monetary compensation for your injuries. It's important you speak to an attorney right away to make sure your rights are protected. Myself and our team of experienced trial attorneys will never settle for less than what you deserve. We are always ready to go to court to fight for you and seek justice. So if you or a loved one have been injured in an accident, don't delay. Call Idala Fortuna and Cammon at 212-486-0011. That's 212-486-0011. Or visit us on the web at idalalaw.com. Idalalaw.com. Idala Bertuna and Cammons. Fighting for justice. Fighting for you. 
Hi, it's Arthur Idala, and I am in love with my shiny, bald, smooth head. Hemp Leaf products are made with all natural ingredients and essential oils to bring you comfort and relief and keep you looking young. Hemp Leaf is the next big thing in skin and body care. The whipped body butters and creams leave my skin feeling soft, smooth, hydrated, giving my aging skin the nourishment it needs to stay young and healthy. Their liquid black soap glides on, leaving my skin soft, crisp, and clean. They also have this amazing muscle rub called Icy Pot. The guys at Hemp Leaf also gave me samples of a remarkable neuropathy cream called Helixer that I gave to Marianne, and she uses it on her heels. She said it's been nothing short of a miracle. Within minutes, it soothes her aching feet. Remember, they don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in it. Visit them at HempLeaf.com. That's Hemp, H-E-M-P-L-I-E-F.com. Mention the name Arthur at checkout, and you'll receive 10% off. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. You gotta love this song. One of the newer ones, but all about an amazing toy for kids. Or is it? All right, Matt. Great choice of music Not today, really Matt. A newer song, though. It is a newer song, isn't it? I mean, maybe newer for the show. Okay. Compared to what we normally play. <laughs> True, true. And, you know, people make a joke. By the way, this is Joni Pelzer, the executive producer for the Arthur Idala Power Hour. And I wanted to step in because I wanted to interview our special guest that's coming up. And, Matt, this is probably very relevant also to you. Um, we're going to be talking about Mattel's brand new Barbie doll. Does Nora play with Barbie dolls? She doesn't, but um, it's not something that she would probably not want to play with in the future. She loves all that girly stuff, so she probably will in the future. That's awesome. Well, she's four. She's going to be four. Yeah, she's going to be four She's about to be four. I know you have a big party for her. Yes, I am. Yes, we do. That's super cool. Well, And she shares her birthday with her mom. Oh, she does? That's right. She's doing a special thing. Oh, they both are May 5th babies. Oh, I love that. May the 5th. So that's, they're born on Cinco de Mayo. Correct. Wow. Can you pronounce that correctly? Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Well, that's a lovely thing. I actually, on Cinco de Mayo, will be going because Arthur is receiving an award from the Italian consulate. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? That's really so, cool. Arthur, I'm stepping in because I, I wanted to do this interview, but also Arthur had to run out tonight. He has to go to a major event um, with some of the folks in our law firm, which he mentioned to you earlier. So, um, I figured I'd step in the chair. And, you know, Barbie is something that, you know, people play with girls and boys. You know, there's no sex thing here with who gets to play with the doll or not. But Barbie is also something that people often tease and they say you're a Barbie if you look a certain way. But there's a new movie out about Barbie as well. Have you um, thought about taking Nora to go see that or not yet? Uh, I, I think that's a little bit too highbrow <laughs> too, for her. Too highbrow. I think it's supposed to be a tongue in cheek kind of movie. All right, maybe someday then. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have a really amazing human being on the air with us tonight. His name is Mark Bradford. He is the Venerable Jerome Lejeune Fellow. He is also an advocate for people with cognitive and developmental disabilities with an organization called Word on Fire Institute. And I want to welcome you to the show, Mark Bradford. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you. It is great to be with you. Now, I understand you have a background in education and nonprofit management, but you're also the father of seven children, one of which your son Thomas, 21 now, was born with Down syndrome. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Wow. So Thomas was our first boy. He was your first boy out of the seven children. Wow. And uh, was there a girl first? Uh, five girls first, and so Whoa. we're very familiar with Barbie dolls. Yeah. So he has a lot of older sisters. For many years. Wow, yes. that's fantastic. So well, we're going to talk about Barbie. Mattel apparently just introduced a brand new Barbie just a week ago. It's first doll with Down syndrome. The whole idea is that they want to increase visibility and representation for everybody in the toy aisle. 
Um, Down syndrome particularly is a condition in which a person has an extra chromosome. They are small packages of genes in the body. They determine how a baby's body forms and functions as it grows during and after birth. So why don't we start with you and telling us a little bit more about this new Barbie doll that Mattel came out with and why it's so important. And then we'll kind of go back to who Jerome Lejeune was and his relevance to Down syndrome. Sure. Uh, Yeah, the new Barbie doll is really an interesting development, I think. Uh, You know, Down syndrome is really a a controversial topic in our society. We know that many individuals that are prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome never make it to birth. That I mean, there's a push in some areas anyway for termination after a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome. But at the same time, we have really strong advocacy communities in the United States for those living with Down syndrome. The organization, the National Down Syndrome Society that was involved in the production of this doll is one of them, and there are others as well. And uh, this development, I think, is a good one. You know, we we do have people among us living with disabilities. Down syndrome is, I think, probably the most recognizable uh, we know when we see someone who has Down syndrome that they have Down syndrome. My, my son it's, sees v- another It's very physical. Yes, you can see it physically. Physical, yeah. The eyes, yeah, the yeah, height. Yeah, we, that's right. We say in the community, you know, um, individuals with Down syndrome wear their diagnosis on their face, right? Because the shape of the eyes and the shape of the face, the ears, they're, they're common characteristics. And those characteristics are really what identified Down syndrome by Dr. John Langdon Down in the 19th century, who who found the commonality of those uh, physical characteristics, physical traits, and then identified the syndrome. And the syyndrome is therefore named after him, John Langdon Down, Down syndrome. Okay, interesting. So, yeah, 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 so great. So it's great to see this development. I think it shows children that there are friendships to be made with dolls that are different than the typical person and it shows them that those friendships can translate into real life and that they can have friendships with children in their schools and their churches wherever they might be who have down syndrome as well and if they find a person with down syndrome and befriend that person they've got a great friend for life well i know american doll was i don't know if they were the first but american doll always had a doll that you could model after you. So you could get a doll that looked like you. And I know there was criticism out there about other toys in the industry not being relative to someone, but it's not, there's quote, I'm just going to quote an article um, that Mattel put out on the 25th of, of April. Our goal is to enable all children to see themselves in Barbie while also encouraging children to play with dolls who do not look like themselves. Doll play outside of a child's own live lived experience can teach understanding and build a greater sense of empathy, leading to a more accepting world. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I, you know, um, we're formed in our culture, right? And and we've been formed in a culture that's rejected disability for far too long. Right. And bringing elements like this into our culture, I think, is a good way to help children become familiar with disability. You know, inclusive education is very popular now, and it's a beautiful thing to see where you have children with disabilities side by side with children and typical children in the classroom and school, for example. And this is just an extension of that, really, for children that don't have that opportunity. They can get to know uh, what someone who might be a little different than themselves look like and become accustomed to that person, comfortable with that image in it all. And when they meet someone with Down syndrome, though, you know, it'll be a natural carryover, I think, for acceptance and inclusion of those people in their friend groups or whatever it might be. Right, right. I, I love this concept. My One of our colleagues here at the ABK Law Firm, we often do the show live in the law firm offices, and, and my colleague Imran, Arthur's partner, just walked in the room, and I wanted to have him just have a chance to comment on this. I want His wife is a teacher, and he has two little ones, and I'm sure that your little ones play with dolls, don't they, Imran? Yeah, well, I, uh, first of all, uh, so great to have you on uh, as a guest on the Idala Power Hour. I think uh, this doll. I mean, it's a it's a necessity. It's a a great way to make uh, those feel included, and you know, and and a part of 
of just you know youth and and accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I have a daughter. She's seven years old, and she's got a whole. I also have a son, three years old. Uh, but my daughter has a big bucket of of Barbie dolls, all sorts of dolls. And one thing I look at uh, in her bucket of dolls, if you will, uh, is that you know it's a it's a great uh, sort of you know, diverse uh, group of dolls. <laughs> it's like, it's very, yeah. we live here in New York City and it's very representative of what she sees every day. Um, but, you know, that aspect of having a doll which, uh, you know, depicts um, a, a girl with, with Down syndrome is something that, you know, which is not, it's lacking in there, but that is, yeah. uh, you know, what it needs to be represented and and children who are in their innocence often will you know look at someone who maybe uh has a disability or is suffering let's say from down syndrome or a, a medical condition and in their innocence they they look at this person and often you know they may ask their parent you know what's wrong with that that person and it, you know is that and of course the parent it's incumbent on them to explain to the child. It gets a know. conversation yeah, going. Yeah, yeah. It really but does. But the doll yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is presenting that narrative or that conversation and that discourse in a way which is very, uh, let's say, typical or, or what in a form that a child is used to. And I Absolutely. think it would probably make that easier uh, and really bring to the forefront you know, the acceptance and the love uh, for that's a, that's a good people point, with, love. with Down syndrome and, and other disabilities. Yeah. So, Mark, I wanted yeah, to well, go back. You... Yeah, go right ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you can go online and order one now and, and pay about 100 bucks for it because they're all sold out. You can wow. go to Amazon and you can order one and pay the typical price, but you're going to have to wait until December for it. So I, I think... I love that. Speaks volumes. That speaks yeah, volumes, everyone. That's right. Yeah. 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 So let's back up a little bit. So Mark, this is Mark Bradford, and I want to back up a little bit and just tell us about your work as an advocate for children with Down syndrome and who was Jerome Lejeune? Sure. Yeah, I, I mentioned that John Langdon Down was the doctor, the English doctor that discovered the common features and identified the syndrome that is called Down syndrome. But no one knew the cause of it for many years after that until Jerome Lejeune, who was a French geneticist, a young French geneticist, uh, shortly after medical school, went to work in a medical clinic that was run by a Dr. Raymond Turpin, who cared for individuals with Down syndrome. And he became curious about this and began examining them and wondered why and thought that there must be a genetic cause for it somehow. So. He's, to make a long story short, in 1958, he discovered that Down syndrome was caused by an extra copy of the 21st chromosome. So while typical people have 46 chromosomes, an individual with Down syndrome has 47 chromosomes because there's an extra copy of the 21st. And that extra copy is what produces all of the features of someone with Down syndrome can be responsible for the development of some common comorbidities. Uh, A lot of individuals are born with a heart issue or their autoimmune issues that can develop over time. So various medical things as well. So that was Jerome Lejeune. And when he made that discovery, he realized what he had done because amniocentesis was coming into use about the same time. He realized that he had opened a pathway for the prenatal identification of individuals with Down syndrome. And he then committed his life to what he hoped would be finding a cure for Down syndrome and committed his medical practice to serving individuals with Down syndrome and other disabilities. So he discovered the cause of Down syndrome, what's called commonly more in Europe than here, trisomy 21, for the third copy of the 21st chromosome. But he also discovered the cause of Creutzfeldt syndrome and other trisomies and other medical conditions of genetic origin as well. Became famous, legendary, received the highest award a geneticist could receive, the William Allen Memorial Award in 1969 in San Francisco, received the first Kennedy Prize in Washington, D.C. from President John F. Kennedy in 1962, I believe it was. So really a, a world-renowned medical geneticist. That so, and the, how, the did, you, how did you become the fellow? How did you become a fellow under, under Jerome Lejeune? Yeah. So We have about two inspired. more minutes, Mark. Okay, I'll, I'll speed it up. 
Word on Fire Institute has a, a group of fellows that work on, on academic issues or specific issues in theology, philosophy, culture, and various things. So there was an interest in the Word on Fire Institute to create a fellowship that would focus on including individuals with disabilities more into the life of the Catholic Church. So I got this fellowship because largely because I founded the Jerome Lejeune Foundation in the United States, the foundation in Paris wow. back in 2012. Yeah. Well, this is perfect for our audience on AM 970, The Answer. This station is so supportive of things like this, and it's just such a pleasure for us to be on this platform and to be introducing you to the audience. And I hope that you will continue to help spread the word and come back again and give us any updates when you have them. I would love to. Happy to join you anytime. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Great, Mark. Thank you so much. And uh, I got to get my daughter one of those dolls. I guess I think I'm going to have to yeah. uh, join the line or fork up some bucks. Actually, you know what? Does <laughs> Mattel yeah. does Mattel donate any portion of the proceeds of the dolls or the sale of the dolls to research for Downs? Great, great question. Wouldn't that have been a great idea? Well, maybe we need uh, to they, work on that. That would be I a think great so, thing. Yeah. Down I think that would be great. Is incredibly underfunded. Yeah. Well, I have met many children with Down syndrome in my life, and each and every one that I have met, um, most recent was a, a young girl named Amanda, gave me a big hug and loved me. So I, I think that they are special, yeah. and I'm going to buy a doll for my niece. So Mark All Bradford. Right, order it now. You can give it by Christmas. Mark <laughs> Bradford, uh, Venerable Jerome Lejeune, fellow advocate for people with cognitive and development disable- disabilities. We will be right back after the break for the last segment on the Authorized Dollar Power Hour with Joni and Imran. Make sure to tune in this and every Saturday at noon to hear the lead guy, Nick DeMauro, Executive Director and CEO of LEAD, Law Enforcement Against Drugs and Violence, speak with experts, educators, and law enforcement about important issues affecting you and your children. Catch the new show, Battling Drugs and Violence, with the lead guy on AM 970 The Answer for topical information and insights from experts waging the battle against drugs and violence in your community. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. If you're a local business and want to see what Salem Surround can do for you, Google Salem Surround New York. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. Let's go on a trip. My friend and morning show host Joe Piscopo has teamed up with Steve Perillo to create a special offer to our AM 970 audience, a special Perillo tour with Joe Piscopo. Three nights in Rome, seeing the important sites like the Vatican, the Colosseum, the Forum, as well as a special dinner performance by Joe Piscopo, which is so much fun. Then fly to Sicily and spend four nights in Taromina with day trips like Syracuse, adorned by Greek, Roman, and Baroque architecture. Next Taromina's Godfather Tour. Visit the medieval villages of Forza de Argo and Savoca. See the famous bar Vitelli, where Michael Corleone asked Apollonia's father for her hand in marriage. Next, on to beautiful Palermo for three more nights before flying home. Rome and Sicily, what a great customized trip. A Perillo Tour is a stress-free, escorted vacation where you don't lift a finger. So call today, 1-800-431-1515. That's one 800 4 311-1515 or go to perillotours.com. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970. The answer. Now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that Rob and me. Ooh, listen to this music. This is probably very fitting for the guest we had today earlier, who's a musician, actually, well, I interviewer and E. I can tell you why we're playing this. Can you tell me why, Matt? today in 2012, from the Beastie Boys, we lost Adam Yuck of oh. Cancer. Oh. 
sad, sad day. Yeah. That was yeah. a sad Any day. Any Beasties fan, you know, that was a, a, such a sad, sad day. What a great, yeah, what a, what a great, great, uh, you know, three bunch of guys. And such a part of New York history, Beastie Boys. Not only hip-hop history, but New York history from playing in there uh, in a punk band. The first iteration of the Beastie Boys wasn't hip-hop. It was a hardcore punk band. They used to play CBs all the time. They were part of the whole New York hardcore scene. Then Rick Rubin, uh, the producer, uh, you know, really turned them into a bunch of, you know, uh, a hip-hop act. But awesome. Just amazing history. I am history. sitting across from Imran H. Ansari, not Matt Sambolino, and yet I'm getting all this amazing music history. Matt. Am look, I right, Matt? Or you know no? what? Forget the legal field, Imran. Let's I just know. Let's the music show. Imran's like the the you know he played you know he plays the saxophone I mean we all know but he played professionally is an opening sax. for bands yeah. this is insane so you got a DJ Arthur's gonna sing Imran's gonna play saxophone I used to play the tambourine when I was in first grade <laughs> so we're all gonna put together like a music festival and we're gonna do it outside at Grand Central oh, okay I'm down you down with it so and we'll down. drink tequila let's do it. We'll drink tequila. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a quite a crazy and exciting Thursday afternoon. Um, there's a lot going on legally in ABK law. Um, you know, there's a million people in the office. We also had a bunch of guest visitors to pre-record some shows that we're working on for the next coming weeks that they can't be here at that time. Imran, you are going to be doing another show tonight. You're going to be doing Kevin McCullough Radio Night Live, Legal Night, and then you're heading out the door. But Arthur just interviewed Justin Brannon talking about Brooklyn and the parking tickets and fines. We had Mark Bradford talking about Mattel's brand new Barbie with Down syndrome. So, Imran, why don't we take the show out with you and you can tell us where you're heading after you do McCullough's show to meet Arthur tonight because Arthur mentioned it earlier. Yeah, going to uh, Cipriani uh, on Wall Street to go to the institution. Oh, yeah. Definitely. To go to the Federal Bar Council dinner, Uh, Justice uh, Sotomayor is going to be there. But it's a really great event. It's a beautiful space, of course. Uh, So after I do the uh, McCullough show coming up next here on AM 970, The Answer, we're going to be going to uh, that event at Cipriani where there's going to be all the luminaries of the Federal Bar and Federal Judges. Uh, attorneys who practice uh, in the field, and it's, gonna, it's just going to be a great event. And Matt, and will he night. be talking about his Beastie Boys trivia? I really do hope so. I hope so too, Matt. <laughs> All right, so Matt, what do you have up to tonight after uh, you leave us? I you will, had a crazy day too. Yeah, I, I always have a crazy day, but you will not be with me tomorrow. I won't be here because I'll be taking what? care of my gals for oh, their that's birthday right, tomorrow. For their birthdays. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Briar and Nora. Oh, very, you said it right this time. I did. I'm remembering <laughs> finally. <laughs> well, happy birthday, Briar and Nora. You're lucky I'm not singing to you, but I did do Let It Go with Nora last week, didn't I? Yeah, did she, she really like she did she did enjoy that. That was very nice. Thank you. It was nice, wasn't it? I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good Anna and she's a pretty good Elsa. So, Matt, take us out with some fine music on this beautiful New York City evening. I'm heading to the theater. Imran's heading to the Federal Bar Council at Cipriani with Arthur. And Matt's going home to be with his girls. That's right. Take care, guys. Take care. All I have to do is swing and I'm a hero. But I'm zero. Hungry nights once again. Now it's getting unbelievable. I could not have it better But I just can't get no play From the girls all around As they search the night For someone to hold on to Just pass through The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC.